This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, this is Sam Smodix here, and welcome to the 4000 Holes podcast. You are listening to the 4000 Holes podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace. Hello and welcome to the 4000 Holes podcast, the What Now show with me, your host, Roger White. So joined this week by my friends, Ian, Catherine, James and Linz. And it is our first What Now show of 2024. So thanks for joining us. And well, we have picked a rather, how can we put it, a rather a rather sensationalist or controversial podcast to come back to uh, in February this year. And uh, we've got a sort of a sort of a change to the format here. We're going to have a little sort of question time format tonight. I'm going to ask the panel three questions. I want to hear their opinions on the three big topic, topics of the week and of the weekend just gone. And uh, yeah, we're going to see how we get on with that. And uh, keep tuned in to the end of the episode for uh, a little special announcement. So I'll tease you with that one. But I want to get straight onto it. I want to come straight to Linz. And question number one I have for the panel this week is going to be, in a roller coaster week, has Yundale Thomason passed the point of no return as Rovers manager? Linz, over to you. He'd passed it before this week for me. Um, if anything, I like him more this week than I have done in previous weeks because... I think I think he's conducted himself really well, given they banned him from speaking to the press and all of that jazz. But 
can I detach the fact he's come across as quite a nice person from what's actually gone on on the pitch and what's going on on the pitch has been nothing short of a disgrace. So no other manager would be getting away with this. Certainly his predecessor would not have got away with this. But I think because he speaks well and he's got nice hair and, you know, we have we've had some great cup runs, which I'm very grateful to him for. I think he gets a lot of grace with our fan base. So, yeah, I I sort of said from kind of Hull onwards, I I was kind of done with him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may be not the best representation of JDT in or JDT out. But but yeah, I think his I think his time is done. No, absolutely fair comments. I mean, Tony Mowbray, the death slide, as everyone used to refer to it, we'd go what one win in 10 games, which is what uh, Yundale has done this time. And some very poor performances, as you mentioned, Hull there, West Brom away. I mean, that was disgraceful for anybody who went. I know you were you were there for that one, Linz, as well. And anybody who told me they went at the Hawthorns that day was uh, very bemused by his approach to the game and his tactics in the game. So, uh, so yeah, James, do you, do you buy into that? Do you buy into the fact that uh, Yundale perhaps is sort of spinning his own exit here and uh, spinning his own strategy of leaving the club and trying to keep his own stock high when perhaps people should be questioning his uh, his recent record more yeah uh, i mean i think his i think his time is coming to a very abrupt end uh, i have a lot of admiration for him for what he did on saturday night after the game he kind of just went full throttle went straight for the jugular and didn't really hold back but yeah it, the performances probably since birmingham at home really i just haven't been good enough i mean we had a good 75 minutes against watford and then that just crumbled before our eyes but yeah I, th- I think he's trying to keep his stock high playing this trying to play this progressive football which clearly isn't working at the moment um, and there doesn't seem to be a plan b but i think if he thinks that he could, carries on playing this progressive football he'll get a better job down the line is it one of those though where there's no points for progressive football there's points for clean sheets and, and draws and victories and at the moment we're very much in this results-based business and we need what is it probably 15 16 more points to stay up this this season and is the style of football irrelevant at this time? Yeah, it is irrelevant. I mean, I'd, at this point, at the start of the season, I would rather lose 1 0 and play really entertaining football than win 1 0 and play really boring football. But it's kind of reversed now. I'd take a scrappy 1 0 win over a really entertaining 3 0 win. It's, we're hitting hard now. It's not working and he doesn't really seem to have a backup plan. So, Catherine, I'll come to you next. Do you think? Uh, JDT has passed the point of no return as Rovers manager. Is there a way back from him from here? No, I think I think I've always cut him quite a bit of slack. And we had a conversation, didn't we, um, after the last transfer window to say, actually, how long do we think he'll last? And that was kind of based on those factors of, of that transfer window. But actually, it started to come into my mind a little bit over the last kind of week or so, because I thought we were really unconvincing against Wrexham all being said, I didn't enjoy the game one bit. Yeah, nice to score four goals. But actually, as a as a footballing unit, it's it, it doesn't leave you with kind of, you know, a, a pleasant taste in your mouth. And I think I think unfortunately, yeah, I'd rather grind some boring, gritty results out, if I was being honest. Yeah, I mean, Wrexham were a League Two side and they look like a League Two side. So I suppose it's hard. One of those games where Rovers couldn't really win, even though they did win on the night. They were expected to and the, the fans are in the pressure. But uh, do, you, do you sort of find to some of the criticism that I've seen online for JDT, though, that he is this one win in 11? Uh, we, we've sort of we struggled at the back end of last season. Second half of last campaign was poor as well. And 
like what James was alluding to there in terms of is he perhaps being a bit too proud with this style and, and and is he sort of trying to write his own sort of departure for the club in terms of I'm a good manager, someone else hire me, but, you know, ignore the results, it's, it's above that. Well, the results speak for themselves and I think look at the last look at the, the the results of the last five games. I'm not sure anybody would want to necessarily take him on. It's not a, a, a fantastic portfolio at the moment, is it? Save a very kind of good-looking start to the season. But actually, you know, if I was the chairman or woman of a club, I'd be looking at and thinking, well, actually... He might he might be saying all the right words, but actually, let's just look at the cold hard facts, and they speak for themselves, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. Ian, I'll I'll come to you next. You were quite vocal on uh, on Twitter or X as it is now on Saturday night about the breakdown of the working relationship between JDT and the club. Are you buying into the the notion that uh, JDT's past that point of no return as the Rovers manager? I think I said so on on Saturday night on Twitter uh, after I listened to that radio interview with Radio Lanks. I thought that that was captivating yet car crash audio because he was clearly making a point that it wasn't as it read in the brochure, that promises made to him hadn't been delivered and you should go elsewhere to get answers to your questions. Now, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And I back him to the hilt on that. If he's been sold a pup or the scope of the project has changed so dramatically, he feels like he's been let down by those above. The issue now is what impact does that have on the players? Because the window's closed. The squad that we have is what we have. And I don't think we're going to be adding anybody to it after an appeal to the EFL, but we'll talk about that shortly. So the resources that we have, the people that we have, is what we've got. The, the challenge now, the objective now, is to get the most out of that and get enough points to keep us in the division. Nothing else matters from now to the end of May. Does he have credibility with that squad? Based on what I evidenced on Saturday afternoon, categorically not. The body language of the players was appalling, Sam Smodix in particular. I think Smodix was so angry and frustrated with what was going on around him and when he got injured and he he signaled immediately for a substitution that said to me look I've had enough I'm fed up of carrying these these guys something's got to give I've just I've just had it and when he left the field he he walked about 20-30 yards in front of the physio and then stopped at the corner flag. I think he might have realised that if he was going off injured, perhaps virtually sprinting off in front of the medical team wasn't a good look. Uh, he got a bit of grief, I, I, I understand, from some people in the Blackburn end, which is just ridiculous. Uh, I, my heart went out to Smodix on Saturday because he looked like he cared and he looked like he just couldn't galvanise his colleagues around him. So that said to me that whatever leadership JDT has in the dressing room had evaporated, and whatever relationship he has with the boardroom has evaporated, that means he's squeezed in the middle. And I, I really, really struggle to see how he now can can manage that squad and turn it around. So after the weekend's results and the subsequent comments in the press, what does that mean for JDT's future at, as Blackburn Rovers manager? I don't think we can afford to pay him off. Well, we've got Stockholm Syndrome, haven't we? This is the problem. We're all just so used to this now that, you know, change is terrifying. But no, he shouldn't be. And the reason we've got no leaders is because he's stripped us of everybody with a personality and sent them out on loan. So, you know, he's asked two people to step up who arguably aren't natural leaders and who are still finding their feet. We haven't got 
the characters to galvanize them because those people have stood up to him and they've been shipped out so no he's got to go for me i'll stand by that i think i think thomason's in it for himself thing is i think if you give footballers an inch yeah. they'll take a mile won't yeah. they and well i think i think, Thom- think thomason's a shrewd operator who knows exactly what he's doing and uh he's, he's trying to leave with his stock high isn't he and listen well, it's yeah. not my fault it's uh, not my fault I think that, that that's exactly the point, that he's protecting his reputation at this point. Think about what Vincent Company's had to do at Burnley. He's he's come under fire, hasn't he, for carrying on playing in the way that he did last year. Last year. And then I, I, there was somebody, I think it was on one of the BBC, might have been even listening to it on the way back on Saturday, said that their possession stats and their long ball stats have completely turned round and they've definitely changed their style. And the, with the money that's at stake in the Premier League, you can see why he would be under pressure so to do. But he wants to take over from Guardiola at Man City. So he's been playing that football. Thomason probably one day would like to be the manager of Ajax or perhaps go back to Milan. And he's not going to do it playing big Sam Lumpet ball at Rovers. No, and I, I, going back to your point about Ajax, he's, Ajax aren't a team that plays long balls at all. No, not at all. It's on the ball and turn stuff. And yeah. I think the point he made on Saturday saying he, he offered to leave for free this summer, I think... That I think he's I think he's down in tools essentially now. No, but yeah, it's interesting exactly. how it's, it's like, I don't want to be here anymore. But I, I can't. I've got a job and I've moved my family over. And I mean, I really like JDT. And I think I think he'll go on to be a good manager. But it's it's just it leaves sour tastes in people's mouths. And it's it's a loveless you know, marriage that we're living under the same roof and neither of us can afford to move. Out. Yeah, that, that's and essentially what it is. Yeah, and he shouldn't take all the blame. And I'm and. The people above have clearly let him down on multiple occasions, and I completely get frustration from that part. But the stuff he is managing, which is on the pitch stuff, he's not doing a particularly great job at doing that. But if this week doesn't happen, he this week has distracted from how shit we are. Yeah. This week week almost benefits him. This week has done him the world of good because his stock has actually risen because he's spoken freely. He claims he's speaking for us. He ain't speaking for me. What I'm watching week in, week out, paying a fortune for, he ain't speaking for me. He's sending anyone with a personality out on loan. He's not speaking for me then. But everyone's gone, oh, you know, he's the voice for us. He's not. We need our own voice. You know, we die if we go down. That's for me why he's got to go. It's that simple because like you were saying about Ryan, Ian, I'm the same. I'm looking at my Saturdays now and thinking, can I justify hundreds of pounds to go and watch this? And we've lived through some shit. So if the most reasonable people are thinking it, the people that might turn up once a month just aren't going to bother. The, the challenge is to get to 50 points. And unfortunately, our next two games are against the two teams around us. So I'd just be very, very wary of creating even more turmoil this week, frankly. I don't think there's a Catty Nell's chance he'll get sacked, but that's for financial no. reasons. Agreed. But what if they lose on Saturday? Then it, I think we're spiralling towards oh, well. Steve Keeney or again, personally. That's, I think we're spiralling towards that way. And yeah, but the thing is, if we lose on Saturday, we've got three away awful. games. Yeah, it'll be awful on Saturday. And the, the problem Burnley, is, no, you've got your three away games, you've got Preston, so everyone will come up for that because, you know, that's what it is. Cardiff, there's like three men and his dog there. So, again, it falls luckily for him. If we lose Saturday, he's got three away games to get through and then you've got Newcastle at home. He wants the Newcastle game, doesn't he? For his, I think, he wants, for I his think he's holding out for that one. I think he's holding out for that one. After, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd respect him more if he... You know, the talk on Friday saying he'd been gagged and he wanted to leave. I would have respected him more if by now he'd have left. But equally, trying to be even-handed, he gave the game away in the interview by sort of saying, I offered to leave for nothing in the summer. Yeah. The club said yeah. no. I moved my family across. 
I put you a know, lot of personal investment emotionally and financially into that. Mm-hmm. So there's no way I'm walking now, guys. That's basically what that said to me. I'm not walking now. I've moved my family over. So you want me to go pay my contract up? That's yeah, what he was yeah, saying. That, this, yeah, but what football manager has got a long shelf life? You look in the championship, no one's been a manager for more than four or five years. Is it Mark Robbins and that's it? Yeah, but why, why would you walk away from compensation, Roger? No, I, well, I wouldn't, but what I'm saying is, but I'm not a multimillionaire already, am I? You know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like JDT short of a bob or two. He's played 20 years at the no, top it's, level. It's, it's, these, these, things are, these are things are matters of principle. And if you signed a contract under a belief that certain things were going to happen and they don't happen, you've got two choices. You live with it and, and yeah, you, accept it and you know, compromise, you or you stand up and you leave. Unfortunately... When he did say, I'm happy to walk, the club wouldn't do it. And now he's at a point where he sort of says, well, hang on a minute. You know, you, I did offer that, and you turned me down. So if you want rid of me, pay me off. Well, there you go. I, just for my own two penneth, I wrote a little piece on the BRFCS forum saying that I like JDT as a manager, but I'm just starting to get uh, sort of a little bit worried about whether or not he's the right man to take us forward. But uh, we'd like, like to know what you think, of course. Get involved in the discussion on the forums. And uh, we'll be back for question number two. Uh, just another thing, I'd like to just remind the panel that uh, even though this is a question time sort of style podcast we're doing tonight, when I ask for a yes or no answer, you don't all have to turn into politicians and give me a minute thing, <laughs> a minute discussion on, well, no, but yeah, but uh, maybe sort of, but uh, who knows. Uh, we'll be back with, I don't know, maybe something a little bit lighter in section two. Probably not. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 4,000 Holes, no longer just a fanzine, now a podcast too, but you know that. You're listening to it. Welcome back to Section 2 and Question 2, and I'm going to ask this to Catherine first. Catherine, where does the expected collapse of the Duncan Maguire transfer rank in the history of embarrassing moments for the club? And should heads roll for another mistake in the recruitment? I'm not so sure this is... It is embarrassing, but this is it, it's almost symbolic of the chaos at the moment. And I every good leader that I've ever been exposed to has always said you can make a mistake once, learn from it. If you're making that mistake multiple times, you've got an issue. You have not learned and actually questioning your role in in whatever professional undertaking you have. So they've been exposed in that respect in terms of I think of leadership, accountability. And actually, you'd have to say there's almost like a professional negligence to it because it is a striking of lightning, slightly different circumstances. But this cannot this cannot be allowed to happen because I'm not sure I see it happening at too many other clubs. And it just smacks of an organisation without leadership that is held accountable and and that's running from top to bottom within the club. And that's what we're seeing playing out. And we're seeing a manifestation of that on the pitch. So actually, where does it rank? It's pretty goddamn embarrassing. 
mean, you've worked in the business and in, in sort of recruitment settings in the past. Is it sort of, would it be too harsh for sort of robbers to name and shame someone? I suppose you probably can't do that these days and the legal ramifications around that. But does it feel as though heads should roll, James, when it comes to, uh, do we need to know who's responsible for this this mistake and why it can't happen for a third time? Because we're having exactly the same conversation we had um, in February 2023. Uh, yeah. Some someone does need to be held accountable for it. I know, I know last year's debacle, Greg came out and took all responsibility for it, which I, I admired in a way. But like Catherine said, you can make a mistake once, but if you make it again, then you something is clearly wrong in the team that you're working with. And I, as soon as it all comes to light, head to roles, I mean, the player, I, the person I feel sorry the most for is Duncan McGuire. I mean, Paul, Paul Lads got on a plane got told the deal was off halfway through his flight, then he gets into a hotel in Sheffield, then he comes from a medical, does his club media, gets announced, and then the deal's in jeopardy again. I mean, it's it's just, it's laughable, really, that it's happened again. It's like deja vu. How highly would you rank it as sort of an embarrassing moment for the club? Higher than Lewis O'Brien, because we've been here before? Yeah. Yeah, higher than Lewis O'Brien, purely because we've announced him as our player. And then, he might he probably isn't our player anymore. So I think I think it's I think it's up there in probably the most embarrassing moment I've had in twenty six years of supporting Blackwood. There's plenty to unpack in that statement, Linz. I think you'll agree there with the embarrassing moments over the years. Uh, Duncan Maguire, I mean, is he kind of come a byword for yet another Venky's collapse, a Venky's failing, a Waggett failing? I mean, where does the act fall uh, from this in terms of who is going to shoulder the blame? Is it going to be JDT, Greg Broughton, Steve Waggett, Pat Suhail, uh, one of the Venky's family? Where where does it end, in your opinion? It's not going to end, is it? This is the problem. It doesn't matter which randomer comes out that we've got no idea what he actually does for a job or she does for a job. And they'll say it's their fault and they'll say it won't happen again. And then we'll be here in a year's time. Actually, we're all as culpable. We let the Lewis O'Brien thing kind of pass with Greg's responsibility. And we said, you know, that's fine, lovely. And we're here again. You know, there's a young man, he's 23 today, has flown halfway around the world. We left him on a plane he didn't know it had ended then he was in Sheffield you know and there's people from Sheffield on this podcast I'm not judging Sheffield but you know he didn't think he was coming to Sheffield did he and then he sat in that chair looking all lonely all over the internet then we shipped him up to Manchester then to Brockall then he was there on Saturday you know he's become a meme this is an international footballer who has become a joke on the internet we're used to being a joke he didn't ask for any of this and actually I'm just sick to death of the a lot of it you know my phone used to light up with people being like oh great result tonight were you there Linz and now it's like for I can't swear the word I want to mm-hmm. for God's sake you know is this happening again or oh I've just seen this drama or is this true and it is actually like genuinely embarrassing a group chat pings and you're thinking what's happened now it's hourly it's actually hourly at the moment um Mm. and I think you know it's about us finding our voice as well and saying we want better for our football club because these people will come and go but I do not want to be associated with this shit show anymore and in the middle of this is this young man who deserves better we deserve better but he deserves better this is his career it's like me turning up to work and someone saying like oh yeah sorry we didn't tell you we've transferred you to Aberdeen but just go via Swansea on the way and do something completely different. It, it isn't even funny. I don't find it funny. 
It's awful. Just talking on a sort of slightly lighter note, a friend of yours, friend of the podcast, Chris Martin, managed to get probably the only picture outside oh. of Ewood Park with Duncan McGuire before he <laughs> I mean, flies back to Orlando. that was one of the group Foster chats Chris. that pinged and I did find funny. Um, you know, Chris can always be relied upon for some, um, for some light entertainment. But in all seriousness, who's inviting someone to a game when they may or may yeah. not play for that club to have selfies outside? Like, it just, it's so poor. And, you know, the day we're recording, we're still no closer to knowing an answer. Um, you know, we're getting half-truths. We've got rubbish in the no accounts that actually now seem to be in the no. The club's got more leak than a colander. Like, what is going on? You know, I, I can't cope with it. Like, will someone just tell us what's happening and give us some facts and then we know what we're dealing with? Because, you know, when we are actually relying on people who talk rubbish 99% of the time for information, you know you've got real problems. Obviously, in Elliot's article that came out this evening, it said that we have a, they feel like we have a duty of care. There's no, there's no care that's gone into this at all. Pure incompetence of a really high level. And no one's actually took into account how this young lad's feeling he's like Lynn said, he's travelled halfway across the world, not knowing if he's coming or going. You know, he's thinking he's probably got his big break in England, English football, probably really excited, and he's and then we come in and he's coming into that circus. It, I really I really feel for him, but I think that line saying they feel like they have a duty to care, I think is lockable because there's no there's no care about it. Doesn't matter whether he's from America, Australia, Andorra, yeah, exactly. he's twenty-three, he's fifty-three, it's dealing with people. Ian, I'll come back to you in terms of you know, we've spoken at ad nauseum on this podcast, and anybody who's listened to you speak on on the various social platforms over the of the piece, that you hold Rovers up to a, a business accountability in and in your know, big industry. It seems like Rovers are being run like dare I say it, a corner shop at the moment with the sort of small-minded, narrow values. We are talking about a professional uh, club here, one of the top 30 clubs in the country last year by ranking top 30 supporter bases. I mean, surely it's just not good enough, is it, this? Just from head to toe, there needs to be a complete revamp of the structure, the processes and everything. We were talking in the pub on Saturday lunchtime and I said, I just want to go back to those days, and it's echoing what Lynn said, where I was proud of my club. I just want to go back to that point where, when you said you're a Blackburn Rover supporter, people went, oh, yeah. And they, they had a reference point, which in the, in the days when I was much, much younger, it would be perhaps Simon Garner. Oh, yeah, you got Have you still got that Simon Garner guy? And oh, oh, oh what, a, what a smashing little ground. I love going there in away days and so on and so on. And I love the idea that former players look back on their time with fondness and that their relationship with the fans with fondness. And they don't look back and sort of say, oh, God, yeah, Black Renault. Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to play for them. Yeah, we are we are sat here tonight having this conversation about what's the most embarrassing thing in our time of supporting the club. And we have all supported Rovers at a time when Shebby Singh was appointed global advisor, when we were bringing in unknown Portuguese players who then went on to make appearances in the Romanian third tier or the Chinese league because they weren't good enough. And we're discounting all of that because it's actually got even worse than those days where we signed the son of an agent who could potentially be the next Chris Smalling. It, all of that has been consigned to the dustbin of history. What a tackle. I, I forgot about that. What a tackle. <laughs> you what know, a tackle. 
It's it's what's happened in the last week has just plumbed new depths. I think you've you've all expressed it beautifully. I won't go over it again. We've treated a young man appallingly, and it's not for the first time that we've made the same mistake. Um, should heads roll? Absolutely, they should. To to Catherine's point, you can't keep making the same mistake time and time again. Just one point to finish on. Uh, there's a lot of talk on social media. There's a lot of talk on the forums. I'd like to draw a very subtle but important distinction between accountability and responsibility. Responsibility is you are holding the pen and filling in the form and putting it in the fax machine or typing out the internet portal and filling out the details. You are responsible for transposing the data from one place to another. But accountability less lies at executive level. All of that happens under your watch. So if that team reports to you, you are responsible for creating the culture, creating the standards of excellence, making sure that the processes and procedures are in place, making sure that they're audited and that they're carried out effectively. That's accountability. And if something keeps happening in your team that makes such massive mistakes, the responsibility, it shouldn't be the most junior person that carries the can for it. It should be the person that's accountable. And I think we use the words accountability and responsibility interchangeably. And that, that is potentially quite dangerous. I think we've got to just make sure that we talk about responsibility. So with that wow. in mind, Ian, does Greg Broughton have a future at the club beyond this week? If I don't know whether I don't know whether that team week? reports to him. I don't know whether that team reports to him, the people that is are actually... Not the, but is he not the accountability man? He said in his interviews that every... He said he was. So if he it. is, then he is, he, is, he is ultimately accountable. And he should stand up and say, that happened in my team on my watch. And it's again. happened again when I said I would sort it out last year. So yes, I think his, his position is untenable. Well, that's our thoughts. Join us for Section 3 after this. Okay, you're deep in the jungle, hanging with a friendly jaguar. Or how about in outer space playing the bass? Let your imagination run wild with the new generative AI tools in Adobe Photoshop. Create anything you can dream up just by typing a text prompt. Treehouse in your jungle? Unicorn in your spaceship? Just type it. This changes everything. Hit the banner or go to Photoshop.com and try it for free. Four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's from a Beatles song. Give it a listen. Uh, welcome back to section three. And my third and final question for the panel this evening is: Where do we go from here? How sustainable is the current situation for the rest of this season and beyond? And uh, Ian, I'm going to come straight back to you on this. Because you've been pretty vocal about this online again. <laughs> Me being vocal online. Follow Ian. For I'm, I'm getting online. some feedback from Roger here. Yes, I need yeah. to go off Twitter for a few days for my mental health, I think, as much as everybody else's. Can Things I first pre- humbly apologise for all the shite that I've been putting out on social media? Where do we go from here? Is it sustainable? Um, no, it's not sustainable. That's the short answer. The long and boring answer is about to come in your ears, as they say in B2K land. Right. Um, everything hinges on the court case in India on the 12th of March. If Venkis can't send over their regular quarterly working capital, then we are basically living off Adam Wharton's funds. My understanding is that that fee is divided into three equal instalments. So we'll get something like, I don't know, six or seven million this year. 
Venki is typically put in somewhere between 17 and 18 million a year. So a quick rule of thumb says that's going to last us for about six months tops, even if we make loads of cost savings. What we've got coming up is the end of the season and the summer. So a lot then hinges on season ticket sales. One can only imagine what will happen to season ticket sales if things carry on as they are on the field. So Rovers could be headed for a cash flow crisis at some point in July, would be my prediction, if we don't unlock the Indian court case and enable us to get some working capital into the UK. What's your best case scenario in that sense? The court case gets thrown out and Vinky stay on, or as has been muted on the, the forums, I know we spoke about this, you've spoke about this with Stuart on one of our podcasts recently about the financial sustainability of the club. Yeah. Is it good that the Indian court case goes for us or against us? Well, that depends on your perspective. Well, so from um, your perspective, completely from your perspective, Ian if, Herbert's if, perspective. If you want Venkis out, then the nuclear option is that they stop sending us money. This is, this is, this is one of the arguments that's muted. However, I don't think that that will have the impact that many people presume. I think all that happens then is that they will they will have a fire sale of what assets they have in the UK to keep it going for as long as they possibly can. So to me, that's the worst of all possible worlds, is you then end up, right, well, can we do a sale and lease back on the stadium? Uh, what other players can we sell? And so on and so on and so on. What other costs can we cut? And we end up, with a team of 14-year-olds playing on a pitch that we can't afford to mow or put fresh grass on, we can't afford to turn the floodlights on, we can't afford to open three of the stands, that, that's where that is ultimately headed. If they, if they insist on maintaining their ownership. Um, my, my hope, I've got to be honest, is that Venkis just decide this is just too much hassle. Having to constantly keep going back to court, to court and engage legal counsel and do this is just too much, right? What do we do to what do we do to park company here and to save face? What what's the what's the the neatest most honourable way that we can leave Blackburn Rovers? That's what I would love to happen, but I'm struggling to see how we get from where we are now to that conclusion being drawn by Venkis in India. I've got to be honest. And another thing which you spoke about on the podcast that you did with uh, Stuart, which you can find on uh, all the podcast places where you're listening to this from, uh, go back a couple of weeks for that one. Administration, it isn't as clear as, well, let's just go into administration, Venkis are out, the end, is it? No, no. So typically, uh, administration occurs when a bank who has a, a mortgage and has in their loan documentation the right to appoint an administrator to protect their assets. Typically, they would appoint the administrator because they've lost faith and lost trust in the management. I don't think we've given a bank that right because we have a relatively modest overdraft with the Bank of India in the last accounts. Things might have changed since then, of course. So that means that the only other people that can appoint an administrator are the actual directors in the UK. And they would do that to avoid becoming personally liable for trading insolvently. So if there comes a point when they're looking at the cash flow projections two, three, six months ahead, say, they say, well, we run out of money on this day, then at the minute they've done that, those directors need to start taking actions to prevent trading insolvently. Otherwise, they become per personally liable for any debts that are incurred. So I would imagine if I was in the finance team at Rovers, I'd be refreshing those cash flow projections on a daily basis. 
if not hourly, frankly. How much money? How many Newcastle tickets have we sold today? How many scarves have we sold today in the shop? And just just constantly saying, is it better or worse than we thought it was? When are we going to run out of money? So Steve Waggett, as CEO, has a duty of care to appoint an administrator. He thinks it's, the club is getting to the point of trading insolvently because you're taking credit from lots of other businesses that would then lose out. So that that is potentially how an administrator could be appointed by the UK directors. Then, of course, the footballing consequences kick in about points deductions, and it's just a horrendous exercise, as we saw with Wigan very very close to us. You know that that process dragged on there for months and months and months, and they charged millions, I think, in the end in terms of fees. So that was all money that was going out of the club to the administrators. Um, so it's you know it's not something we should enter into lightly. Um, and then, of course, the administrator has to try and find a buyer. And if they, they get to a point where they don't find a buyer, that's at the, only at that point you start talking about liquidation. So I think, I think the, there is almost certainly a buyer out there at a price. The question is, what is that price? And how do we get from where we are now to a point where an administrator is, is actually put in place? And so much of that hinges on the mood in India, frankly. With that in mind and covering all the financial aspects of it, Ian, thank you very much for that. Uh, Catherine, I'll come to you in terms of ignoring the financial side of it. Sustainability as a fan base, as sort of that mixture of anger and apathy sneaking into the fan base. Uh, where do you stand on on sort of the future of the club and, and how precarious position is it? I think it's incredibly precarious. I mean, what Ian's just painted there was in- incredibly bleak and incredibly depressing. Thanks, Ian. Um, but I think that disquiet, sitting sitting in and hearing the boom of the Wrexham fans coming from the Darwin end last Monday and feeling quite surrounded in that upper tier, but it was, there's, there's a lacklustre to the fans at the moment. You can see the numbers dropping off and I think that apathy has really kicked in. And Lindsay made the point that, you know, those that are making that investment to go to those home games and the away games and actually you know your individual return on investment that's what is starting to eat away at people as well that's really dangerous so it's coming from all angles and I my husband's an Oldham Athletic fan that's a really good example of of a obviously a club that had a massive history that fell through the league so it's not unthinkable that you know a Premier League founder can can drop to the lowest levels, um, and I think that is a that is a real danger. And I agree, if we drop out of the Championship, it, it ain't it ain't rosy, it ain't bounce back because there just isn't the depth to, to to drag us back out of it. I don't think there's the there's the playing depth. I don't think there's the coaching depth. There certainly isn't the the leadership and the management depth depth. And you're starting to see it it's, it's, it's threadbare within the fan base. And you aren't getting the new fans coming through. No, I mean, Catherine, she just mentioned Linz. Linz, I'll come straight to you. I was going to lead you to the end, but I'll come straight to you for this one. In terms of if you look up uh, diehard Rovers fan in the dictionary, I'm sure your face would be be there in terms of if you follow the team home and away, very sort of travelling up and down the country, staying in hotels. You know, we spoke a bit before we came on air tonight or started recording about a certain sort of apathy coming into your sort of supporter mentality and we've had that from Ryan Hildred a, a friend at uh, the RT at Labore podcast as well who, who also said the same to us on Saturday it's worrying times to be a Rovers fan 
It is. Um, I think for me, when I felt this way before, I've always still continued to go because I've really felt they needed me. I'm not sure where I fit in this anymore because I don't see a manager I identify with. I, I struggle to identify with with some of the players there are still some I really really like but you know it will come as no surprise to anyone I'm quite a big character so I quite like personalities and we're a team stripped of it you know it's a joy to spend time with my friends in the terraces and we're used to losing it's not that it's the manner in which you're losing it's knowing that myself and others are taking time away from our our families, our friends, you know, for the Wrexham game, I was up at four o'clock in the morning to get everything done I needed to do and was home at 1.30 the following morning. And that's a, that can be a typical day for me. And I don't ever begrudge doing it because I've always felt my investment was worth it and meant something. But the more this goes on, the more I think actually my voice, my time, my emotional investment more than my financial investment actually doesn't make a difference anymore. And I was a little girl that fell in love with a football club and a town. You know, that town is, I adore the town, but I don't recognise that club and I don't recognise the effect it's having on the town. And I don't want to be an expert in Indian tax law. You know, as a woman, I've got people explaining to me what the offside rule is. And I feel like saying, do you know what, mate? I can tell you about an Indian court case, never mind what the offside rule is. But actually, I just want to turn up, have a drink with my mates, have a laugh, you know, slag off whoever and come home. But this is actually, it's taking over our lives. It's not a joke to say that you feel like if you're away from it for a couple of hours, what has happened that's so monumental in that time? Um, and we all love this club but we all disagree how best to move things forward. And that for me is tricky because people I adore don't feel the same way as me as to how you move it forward. And that then steps into personal relationships and it's messy. It's really, really messy. And that can't be underestimated. And I'm not from the town. I don't have to live and work around what the effect of this football club suffering does to that town and we need what we haven't mentioned here is the decent honest people that work at that club that are having to say not that they support Blackburn Rovers but that they work for Blackburn Rovers because at the moment that's an embarrassment as well and there's good decent loyal hard-working people who are going to suffer and for any of the younger folk who I see week in week out on the away ends who think league one's going to be a blast I tell you what kids it's not it's going to be hell so we need to do all we can now to stop that happening and we see where we go in the summer. But, you know, I hope I've got another season in me come the summer, but I'll have to let you know then. Yeah, I mean, James, you're a Blackburn born and bred. You work in the town. You're, you've been to games all your life. Just give us a little sense for those who perhaps aren't in Blackburn at the moment about what the feeling is around the town and around the local fan base with regards to Lynn's point there on the effect that Rovers having a bad run has on the wider community. Depressing. I think that's the I think that's the word to sum up. It's it's really demoralising. I mean, I work in Burnley every now and then I get the absolute medical take taken out of me because I support what seems to be a massive laughing stock, whereas my arch enemies down on the motorway are having the time of their lives. And it's really horrible to see really and the ninety five percent of the time I do work in Blackburn, uh, you know, I work I work with Blackburn fans and they just say that considering stopping going now because it's just so bleak and it's so they just say they, they don't even they're not even bothered about a result anymore they just feel numb and, and i think that's the, the feeling i'm starting to get i mean i, I won't stop going to because I, I would go if they were in national league north i mean 
uh, I, I have autism and it's a big routine of mine to be honest. Every other Saturday, I'll go to football with my dad, I'll have a pint with my dad, I'll watch the game, we'll talk about the game, we'll go home. And that's that's a big thing for me. Um, but I completely understand where people are coming from, where they are contemplating stuff and going. And when you see these young fans being brought up to hopefully support Rovers, but instead they're seeing the successes of Liverpool, City, you know, it, it's really hard to get new fans on board when you see them successes not so far away. Us here as a podcast, 4,000 Horse Podcast, a fanzine, you know, where they are the voice of the fans. And it's important that we let people know who are listening to this podcast, who perhaps aren't in Blackburn, or they live in America, Australia, wherever they're listening to this podcast from, that yeah, there is that passion still in the town, but there is that that feeling. And uh, no matter what they're feeling, whether you live 100 yards from Ewood Park or 1,000 miles or 10,000 miles from Ewood Park, um, we're all in the same boat and we're all worried. But uh, I was sort of thinking earlier on today about the success that we enjoyed in the 90s and the early noughties and thinking, you know what, if somebody had said that we'd have that and then we'd have this, you'd have bit someone's hand off. But when you're going through this part of that process, it took this, it's hard to take. But uh, let's keep the faith. Who knows? Hopefully by the uh, the March what out show that we get on, who knows, maybe we've strung a few wins together uh, and uh, things are a little bit better. But uh, of course, if you want to get involved in the conversation, join us on the brfcs.com forums where you can get a breadth of opinion some good some bad some interesting uh it's never boring on there that is for sure a couple of bits of keeping to get to just before i leave this evening or we leave this evening should i say uh first one being that there is a new edition the printed edition of the four thousand holes out it is a 1990s special so if you think tonight has been bleak and you want to go back to the good old days of the 90s a brilliant read from Scott and uh, I know several of us on the podcast here and beyond have uh, contributed to the 90s special. They're well worth the read. You can uh, find Scott on the corner of Kidder Street and Nuttall Street at the next forthcoming home games. And also you can uh, get a subscription online. And as one final sort of surprise and reward to you all for listening right to the end of the podcast, I'm going to go through it over to Ian, who's got a bit of a special announcement which will perhaps leave you feeling a little mixed emotional <laughs> i must say but uh special nonetheless ian over to you we've had a thank you message from our podcast guest in december uh the club's record transfer sale here's adam wharton hi it's adam Wharton here just a quick message to brfcs just a, a thank you uh for all the support and the memories of the last year and a half uh, and i wish you all the best in the future i'll be a fan and uh hopefully well maybe one day a player uh, as well in the future uh, so thank you lovely message there very nice gesture of him to, to send that message to us really appreciate it and obviously it'd be great to see him back in a blue mark half shirt at, at some point in his career hopefully while he can still uh, he can still make a massive contribution so sad to see someone so so young having to be sold for financial reasons but there we go i mean we could spend another half an hour talking about adam we won't do don't worry but uh, maybe next time uh, from myself, Roger, Ian, Catherine, James, and Liz, you've been listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast, the What Now Show for February 2024. And I was trying to think of ways to end the podcast tonight, and I'm going to steal a line from Nick Owen. Was it Nick Owen on Crime Watch? Is that right, the uh, the presenter? He used to end all his shows, and he said, don't have nightmares. Don't worry, people, don't have nightmares. It's only a football game. Until next time, we'll see you then.
it's Hayden Carter here. This is the 4,000 Holes Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she had just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast. I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice. As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund. <clears throat> what did she do with that refund? Find out next week. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. It's the 90th minute. All you mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.